Thank you, Joe and Robin, Sean, for leading us in those songs. And, and really, thank you for this whole season of music. You guys have been awesome keeping us in the uh, Christmas spirit. And now we turn the corner. It's a great privilege for me to be with you today and to, to talk on this last Sunday of the year and looking into the new year. But um, one of my favorite books from long ago is written by a guy named Robert Fulgham. And uh, you may just know the title enough to, uh, to know the content. All I need to know, I learned in kindergarten. Fulgham in that book makes an interesting observation. He says, if you would gather a group of, of children, kindergartners, and you would ask them, how many of you can uh, sing? All of them raise their hands. I can, I can. What can you sing? Anything. What if you don't know the words? We'll make up the words. Just let us sing. How many of you can draw? They, well, what can you draw? Anything. Can you draw the president eating lunch in the jungle with gorillas? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd draw it. I'll be stick figures, but they would all draw it. He says you get that same group of people together as adults 25 years later. And you ask them, how many of you can sing? Not, not one hand would go up. How many of you can draw? Not one hand would go up. And then he asked his questions. What happened? What happened? What happened from childhood to adulthood that would rob you of the zest of life and the passion of life that God created you to have? What happened? As we close out this year, I think some of us feel that same way. What happened? What, what took us from, from hope and joy and fulfillment and just had it smashed and squished and paved over to anxiety and despair and fear and discouragement? I'll tell you what happened. 2020 happened. That's what happened. 2020. In the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, there's six words that open up that chapter that says basically this. As for you, you were dead. I mean, we're coming out of Christmas season. We're coming out of all the, the family get-togethers and church get-togethers and celebration. And, all, and we come to the end of this year and it's like, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. I just, there's something about me that, just doesn't feel right. I feel kind of dead. Maybe it's spiritually dead. Maybe it's emotionally dead. Financially dead. My social life is dead. 2020 has robbed it. And a lot of us can identify with that. But this, this chapter does something unbelievably beautiful in, in the way that it, it captures what Christ does for us. Where he raises us up from dead. He gives us new life and new zest and new passion and new joy and new hope. And it's a grace gift that he just says, here it's yours, accept it by faith. And then when we come to that, he, he culminates this whole message the apostle, of the Apostle Paul with these words in the 10th verse of chapter 2. He says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. He gives us a, a, an equation, if you will, of, of what it means 
to live life at its fullest. No matter what 2020 was, and there's a lot about 2020 we'd like to forget, we don't have to go into 2021 the same way. That he, can, he has something for us that's more than we can ever even think or imagine or even ask. And here's what it, it's all about. We are gods. There's three words. We are gods. Well, there's more than three words, but God, workmanship, good works. We are gods. We, we belong to God. We are his workmanship. And he's created us to do good works. If you look at those three things, you'd say, okay, what, what does that mean? Well, here's what I'd like you to take into the new year. If we are, if we are God's sons and daughters, let him love you. Let him love you. If we are his workmanship, let him change you. And if we are going to be used by him, let him use us to the glory of God and to the goodness of, of everyone around us. In fact, there's great theological terms for this. The first one is salvation. The second one is sanctification. And the last one is service. So let's look at this a little bit closer. We are God's. We are, we are his possession. You look behind me, got this beautiful Christmas tree, lights, lights in the background. But it's, it's now the 27th of December, and pretty quickly this tree is going back in the box. And the lights are going away, and the ornaments going away. And we're going to dismantle Christmas. And all the cookies, and all the fun, and all the songs, and all the carols, and all the celebrations, and all the parties are gone. Christmas is over. But the message of Christmas does not change. The message, message of Christmas reminds us God's for us. He's for us. So much so that he sent Christ. That Christ will be with us from now on. That he'll walk into 2021 with us. He's been faithful to, in 2020. Got us this far. But he's going to continue in 2021. And here's what he, he wants us to know. Christmas is not about religion. It's not about rituals. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship. A relationship because we belong to God. We are his children. He's our father. And Christ reminds us through Christmas. He's going to walk every step with us. This new year, we're going to start the year off. Pastor Matt's going to lead us in a, in a series on prayer, which I love that idea because it reminds us that we belong to God. And not only can we talk to God, but God talks to us. We can have conversations with him because it's a relationship. The old song back in the old days we used to sing. He walks with me, he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, I'm his. Then as you look about his workmanship, that's an interesting word. Not only do we belong to him, but we are his workmanship. The word is, in Greek is poema, which means uh, pizza. No, not really. I just want to make sure you're still with me. It means poetry or poems. It's, a, it's the idea of masterpiece. It's a, a work of art. It's God doing his best work in you, in me, as he creates us and recreates us in Jesus Christ. So that he's not only for us, but he is in us to change us. And here's what I love about the new year for myself and for you. You don't have to be tomorrow what you are today. When I look at my life and I look at this last year and 
I look at places that, that I fell short or I messed up or I, I didn't even live up to my own expectations, not alone God's. I look into the new year and know that he's not done with me yet. He's still working and he's changing me and he will change you. Here's what I want to tell you about this, this thing called change, this, this work of God to make you the very best you that he can possibly make. It happens better, slow and incremental than it does in a flash of a pan of passion. I mean, think about your New Year's resolutions. If it's not done by February 1st, you're gonna be done with it completely. But always, every time, ongoing consistency trumps quick, fast, passionate intensity that goes away real quick. This new year, we've got some ways to help grow you that I think will we'll capture what, what, what some people call the greatest um, force in all the world called compound interest. That this slow growth grows more and more and more and more. I, I heard an illustration one time that took a little a domino and um, you know about a five millimeters long and one millimeter in width. And as it, as it grows one and a half times, just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. You take it 13 times down the road and it, it becomes something from a half an inch to a yard in, in length, to a full meter that weighs 100 pounds. That's compound interest. Albert Einstein said it, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. When we grow like that in Christ, we, we grow um, in, in short increments, but in consistent increments. So this new year, there's, there's growth groups for you, there's Bible studies for you, there's community life, there's, there's opportunity to grow and to grow and to grow. And most of us just say, hey, you know, if, if I could just have like one quick prayer or a magic pill or, you know, th throw some hot water on me or something, there, there's got to be a way that I want to instant be more like Christ, or I want, I want my marriage to come together all of a sudden, and, and it just doesn't work that way. It takes, it takes some time. One of the most exciting things that I think I've been a part of in a long time is a thing called Re-Engage, which is a marriage ministry that we have. We've, we've had a, about 70 people go through it so far, and we're gonna start up again in January, January 19th, and it's a time to, to grow your marriage. Um, we've had people that have been in crisis, that have gotten, gotten through it and gotten stronger. But it's not just for couples that are in crisis. It's for couples that are strong already that want to go a little bit, grow a little bit stronger, go from good to great, and to completely um, um, work on their marriage and reaffirm the, their vows and what they believe. And it, here's the thing. It's 16 weeks in length. I know, 16 weeks. Here's the premise behind the thing, for us men especially. If we can be less bad for a longer period of time, our marriage is gonna grow. That's about the only hope I have. If I could just be less bad for a long period of time. I wanna invite you to be a part of it. You can, you're gonna be able to, to sign up online here pretty soon. But um, in that process of 16 weeks, we watch God's work, word change us. We watch a community come together in a small group where strong marriages and marriages with challenge come together and help each other out through it all. And then we just sit back and watch what God does as he grows us because he's all about changing us. He's not only for us, he's in us. He wants you to be different. 
He wants your marriage to be different. He wants our church to be different. He wants our community to grow in him. Finally, it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That idea of doing good works it blows me away when you think about it, that he's made us a masterpiece in order to accomplish something on this earth. That it's not like we're here by accident. It's not like when we come to Christ, God goes, oh no, all of a sudden, what am I gonna do with these folks? No, instead he's got in, in advance a purpose for us and a reason to live. And in that, in finding that purpose is where the joy of life comes and where the zest comes again and the fire starts to burn again. And so this year, I think God wants to use you as he wants to use us as a church in ways maybe he's never had before. We're, uh, we're coming upon the 25th anniversary of this church. So let me just kind of close with an old time story. You'll probably hear this again before too long if you hang around me very long. When we got this property, it was a, it was a miracle of God. Um, we looked at this property, we, we waited for it to be opened up and finally it opened with a price tag of $2 million on it. And uh, we thought that's probably not too big of a problem because we have $10,000 in the bank what more do we need? And so we, um, we offered like lowballing as much as we could. We'll give you tax deductions and all that. They weren't interested. We, we said, okay, well, 1.5 million, they weren't interested. Long story short, we agreed on 1.79 million. One of, the, one of the board members said, can we afford 1.5 million? No, well, we would do it for 1.5, yes. Can we afford it? No, well, we can't afford 1.79. Let's just try that as well. So we made an offer, signed the contract, had 90 days of due diligence. During that time, 90 days of due diligence and to raise $1.79 million, I got invited to go to Honduras by our sister church. And they said, you're gonna need some time to rest. And so off we went and uh, just watch what's going on. Went down there and I watched as, as, as we, we, we saw families that would line up their children and say, here's all our kids. They were, they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your church and, and bringing, bringing clean water to our family. They discipled a bunch of pastors who would, who would go and plant churches all throughout the, the Central American countries. And we went and visited one of, the, one of the cities where they were planting a church. The pastor met us at the outskirts of that little town, about 30,000 people. And he had tears in his eyes and he said, there, we, we had a we had a, a, a parachurch organization that was gonna support bringing water to our, our, our village and they pulled out and we don't gonna have any more water. We don't have any clean water. I said, well, you don't have any water at all. I said, yeah, we, we, have, we have water, but I'll tell you what, it comes on Thursday and Tuesday from three to five in the afternoon. But if we could just find somebody that would support us, we can bring water from the mountains and the infrastructure is already there. And we could, we could have water every day. So my fellow pastor and I went up with him in the back of a pickup truck, way up in the mountains, so far that the, the truck couldn't go any further. Then we hiked until we found this flowing water, flowing river, it was a beautiful place. And in this river, uh, he, he pointed out the place, he goes, we can, we can tap in right here and we can bring water down to our village. And we said, how much would it cost to do that? 
For $5,000, you can have fresh, clean water 24-7 in your village. Yes. We looked at him. We looked at one another. And we decided at that time we're going to raise that money for him. And we gathered around in a circle of people and we said, you're going to have clean water in this village. Children are going to have water. Nobody's going to die anymore because of bad water. We're going to support you with this. And he looked at us, and I'll never, I can still see his eyes. He looked right in our eyes and he said, my friends, you are an answer to prayer. You're an answer to prayer. And he started crying and we started crying and we rejoiced. On the way back, I'm sitting in the airplane and I got this impression. McDowell Mountain needs to do this. Our church needs to do this. And so I went to the other pastor and said, hey, we're going to raise the $5,000 ourselves." And he goes, you sure you want to do that? I go, I don't think we could even do that. We're not giving much money to missions. And we've got to raise like $1.79 million. He goes, you raise what you can. We'll raise what we can and we'll figure this thing out. Okay, I'm sitting in the airplane going, oh no, I'm going to get fired. I've got to go back and tell people 1.79 million nothing of the $10,000 we got in the bank, half of that is going to Honduras. So we need to, we need to replace that as well. We did a message on um, giving a cup of cold water to our neighbor. By the end of that Sunday, $25,000 came in to support Honduras from our church. Not 2,500, 25,000. I'm driving back up to Cape Creek. I had a wedding to do that afternoon. One of those times when the Lord just speaks. I haven't heard, I haven't heard his voice audibly, but there are times in, in the depths of my soul I know he's speaking. He said this, Don, you've got the property. I'm giving you the property. I start crying. I pulled off to the side of the road. I called my pastor friend. I told him what had happened. He said that they had raised over $25,000 themselves. Over $50,000 is going to Honduras to provide clean water. And on top of that, the Lord said, because you're faithful to that, I'm going to give you the property. Long story short, you'll hear more about it, I'm sure, some other time. We got the property for $1.25 million. We raised in gifts and pledges, $1.1 million by Easter Sunday. And you can see the beauty of what's gone on since then. I tell that story often to the church to see and to remind them what, what God is, is doing, how faithful he is. But I want to remind you of this, of the words I heard from this guy, this pastor in Honduras, when he looked right at us and said, you're an answer to prayer. An answer to prayer that I had no idea that even the depths of what it was going to be. Within a, a few months, they had brought pipes down from that river and clean, fresh, clear water. Every time they turned on their, their, their spigot, came out of their, their hoses and their, and their sinks and their bathrooms. And every time they did, they were reminded of the church down the street that provided that. That little church that had about 50 people that was, that was in this little shack grew, grew by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people until they had, to, they had to expand the building to get everybody into it. There was so much water that went to that community that within a few short years, they shared their water with two other communities of like size. So instead of providing water to 30,000 people, we provided water to over 100,000 people in three different communities. We were God's answer to their prayers. I don't know why McDowell Mountain existed up to that moment, I know there's been a lot of good things that God has done through this church. 
I do know why McDowell Mountain Church exists up to that moment. It was to be the answer to prayer to those people in Honduras. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you can seriously get a hold of the truth that God is for you, that he loves you, that you're his, if you can seriously get a hold of the idea that God's changing you and working you into his masterpiece, and if you can ever catch it in your own mind that God has for you good works, his purpose to advance his kingdom, he has something for you to do, there will be a day when you wake up and somebody will look you in the eye and they'll say, you are God's answer to our prayer. He's using you to change our life. What else could we live for? What more could, could excite us and ignite us than that? And this new year, 2021, I don't know what it's going to bring. I do know this. God has something in store for us as a church and for you as an individual that is going to completely knock you off your, your rocking chair to recognize I saw God work and move like never before. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for a new year ahead of us. God, you've been faithful through these last 12 months, nine of them which have been something that we never thought was going to happen to us and wondered if we're ever going to get through it. And we're still wondering what it looks like to get around the corner. But this we know, your faithfulness awaits us around the corner as well. And that you're not done with us. And as long as there's life on this earth, you're going to use your church, you're going to use your people to do what you want to get done, to bring you glory and to bring goodness to this world, to our community, to our families, to our marriages, to each person. So we give you this year. We thank you for what you've done. We anticipate what you're going to do in the name of Jesus. Amen.